Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today is... Brendan Norrison, and it's not just myself here today, Adam. Uh, we actually have our other two co-hosts with us too. So, um, Paul, take it away. Hey, hello. How are you doing, everyone? Uh, thank you for having me on the show. And we got Andrew Elmore too. Beware, I live. <laughs> Hi, hello. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, so so we got we can see each other like we're talking. We have our cameras on. Andrew looks like he's in some kind of dark void. Look, we got some. <laughs> I'm. In, you know what? Never mind. I'm I'm abandoning the bit I was going for in favor of pretending I'm in the video game dark void. <laughs> Start doing some vertical platforming. Uh, let's see what else do I remember about dark void? Somebody else fan for me. Do you run in it? Is it a yeah, game that involves running? Kind of. It's 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 more jetpacking. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I see where you're going. Nolan North in it as well. So it's um it was one of those third person action games that were all the rage back in what, two thousand and thirteen, I wanna say. Maybe? Oh it's older than that. Is it really older than that? that? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. It's like oh yeah, eight or nine or something. Holy shit, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> way, way off. It's, it's the bridge <laughs> between Crimson Skies and Uncharted. Yeah. Welcome to Time yeah. Extend, a racing game podcast. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not necessarily it? completely true now, is it? Um, we are, um, from topic today, for example, um, this kind of parks back to what we were talking about in the last episode, doesn't it, Adam? We're, we're branching out a bit. Yeah, so for some reason, I mean, it, it was sort of a joke. I can't remember who came up with it, if it was like me or you, Brent, but someone said, what if we made like our first big podcast back? with uh, Andrew and Paul, who are going to be joining us on the more shows. What if we made it about running games? And then it kind of just stuck and stopped being a joke, and now we're here going to talk about running games for like an hour plus. <laughs> that is time extend now. Obviously, we've we've talked about all the, the driving and vehicle games ever made, so now we're just going to focus specifically on games where you run. Uh, of course, I'm joking. This is probably be a one-off, but you never know. It might turn out to be an absolute hit, and we, we find a niche that we didn't know existed within the content space. Yeah, so there are a number of games where, shockingly, you... I mean, the running happens in a lot of video games, but for a while, it seemed like they were trying to make racing games out of running, and on top of that, like, the two games I'm going to be talking about are ostensibly racing games, but we're also talking about games that are, like, kind of harder to define. Uh, Brend, you you have... Anyone who's been listening to the show since the beginning is going to know what you're going to be talking about. And uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul and Andrew are going to be talking about a game that I literally do not know. Like, it's not a racing game. I don't know what you call it. So we're going to be pretty much, like, running the gamut of... Yeah. Games where you run. <laughs> yeah, bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how we're keeping it simple. You should just name this episode "Run" as well. Just like sure. push run button. Try there and keep go. people's yeah. interest. <laughs> it's a PC engine. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know if we could really set this up in any sort of way that's going to make sense. So let's just get into it, Brent. <laughs> Kick us off. We're going to be each talking about a couple games. So what you got yeah. for us? No, I'm absolutely happy to open things up because this whole episode was just a gambit to talk about the one and only Pepsi Man anyway. So to take it from the top for anybody who is uncultured, 
Pepsi Man is a PlayStation 1 game where you play as the titular character Pepsi Man. And your goal is to ensure that everybody is well hydrated or refreshed, probably better term for fizzy drinks. Um, and nobody dies. So like th- those are the two the two kind of extreme scenarios Pepsi Man deals with. And in the Pepsi Man game, you basically play like a structured version of like Temple Run now, which is probably the best example to compare it to. So if anybody played the Temple Run game back on kind of the mobile phones, kind of first iPhone, iPod Touch era, it's very similar to that. But the thing about Pepsi Man is it's actually pretty fun. So I guess like just an opening question for you guys as well. Have any of you played it or have you completed it as well? I, I've never, I've never played it. I know of its existence, and of, I remember it being exi- coming when it came out. Yeah. But nope, never. <laughs> and I don't know anyone that ever really played it apart from you. Actually, to be honest, my <laughs> first exposure to Pepsi Man was in uh, was it Fighting Vipers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah good point yeah. actually. There you yeah, go. I forgot he was in first and Vipers. only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've goofed around with Pepsi Man and emulators before, but uh, that game is. Uh, unsurprisingly for a meme very expensive um so i don't have it i do have fighting vipers but that is the only pepsi man i have controlled off a physical disc other than that it's just like a thing i've messed around with a long time ago and just i'm aware that's about it i don't know i played it once and i I think i died really fast and was like ah okay well there was a novelty here i think now that i'm you know uh a little more advanced in age and um maturity and uh you know media literacy i think i might be able to find some more there to appreciate these days please feel free to enlighten us about the momentum of this shiny shiny boy well i think it's like it's kind of entered that cult status era i don't think the game itself really kind of contributes to that but the weirdness of pepsi man as a thing because like obviously once that kind of became known it became a joke in that way and then obviously like kind of popular YouTube content creators picked it up with like random advert like because you always see these videos about advertising games and that sort of thing and then there's that really creepy video of the guy dressed up as Pepsi Man dancing and doing weird stuff to Pepsi bottles and that sort of thing and basically like the character is probably more iconic than the game itself but like I think I've said before on the podcast but the reason that I became um the reason I basically understood or knew about Pepsi Man was because I had one of the guys who got you PlayStation 1 games at Winkface when you were younger. So basically, we did the old disc swap trip to play um, copied games and that sort of thing. Uh, my dad's friend, Peter, shout out if you're listening, <laughs> would just basically hand us like 30 discs, unmarked, unnamed. And the fun part was just basically doing the old disc swap trick and seeing what you got. Sometimes it was a Resident Evil, sometimes it was a Ridge Racer Type 4. Sometimes it was a weird Bishoujo game, a visual novel game, which actually ties into this nicely later on, believe it or not. Um, and then sometimes it's Pepsi Man as well. So like, you just never knew what you were going to get. And Pepsi Man became a bit of an icon in the, the Rorison household, just because, once again, the, the, the reason it became a cult classic is the reason that everybody in the house kind of knew about it, because I'd be sitting in the room playing the PlayStation and just blaring through the household. You'd hear that fantastic theme song, just blaring Pepsi Man over and over and over again so I actually do have a very long standing history with the game so much so I was in the rare position where something that I was already aware of became a kind of well known thing later on like in the kind of internet kind of prestige and that sort of thing so it was it's pretty cool being on that side of things because oftentimes we hear about like 
once again, maybe not the greatest comparison, but like Racing Lagoon and that side of things when, like, it's the first time you hear about it. In Pepsi Man's case, I was already very aware of the, the shiny, shiny boy. And, uh, yeah, when we were talking about running games, he was always going to be the choice for me. So I guess just from a backstory perspective, that's that's how I uh, am aware of Pepsi Man. And, and like you were saying, Andrew, um, I've always wanted to own a physical copy of it, just for the, the bands, basically. Very expensive. And uh, the trip to Japan I had in November, which was for the sole reason of finding Pepsi Man. Daniel wasn't aware of that, but that was like the, the whole reason we went. The man um, himself, <laughs> not a copy of the video game. To be clear, you were trying to hunt down your hero, I believe, right? That's... Oh, absolutely. Not not the video game, the, the real boy. The, the real shiny, shiny <laughs> boy. Found, found a lot of narrow like alleyways and stuff, trying to see if he would be running down them, but sadly not. But <laughs> yeah, um, it's a weird kind of cult hit now. But actually finding a copy of it, super expensive, and the actual gameplay itself. A lot of people, I think, who are aware of Pepsi Man probably haven't played the game. But to be honest, I, I do think it's worthwhile. Um, it's, like I said, it's a very simple game, basically, in effect, where you have very kind of set kind of like time-based levels where you, you start at the start of a level and you get to the end, very linear. For every two levels, there's a boss. So it's not as if it's this crazy structure, but... It's a very defined experience as well, so you can basically play it for like an hour and complete it, which, to be honest, is, is a good thing because the gameplay loop isn't complex like I'm saying, but it's actually pretty enjoyable and, and challenging as well in equal measure. The checkpoints are very harsh, especially towards um, the end of the game when you get to Pepsi City. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good game because you can pretty much speedrun it in like an hour, um, but you still get a good amount of enjoyment and surreal nature from it because it takes itself very seriously I feel like. There's like, the, the thing a lot of people know about it is the very strange um, FMV videos. Um, don't yes. know if any of you guys have seen I <laughs> just watched this for the first time in my life <laughs> and oh my god. I mean, first of all, you watch a man basically like, he, and also it's in the US, like it's clearly recorded, yeah, yeah. like it's filmed here, uh, at least where I am. Uh, and uh, this guy just like guzzles a Pepsi can and about you watch him excruciating excruciatingly for like a minute and then he like looks inside the can and he finds Pepsi man and that's just reality like, yeah. <laughs> you just drank that man's house that was rude so what's the history of the game was it like did it obviously it was obviously it's an advertising but was it made as a promotional piece of software was it actually a game that was released that you bought that was yeah it wasn't something that was free at with 10 cans of pepsi or something so it was a full-on retail game uh a part of a kind of right. budget pricing you would see in the japanese retail stores from what i can see sometimes in physical okay. copies of the game you can still see like the like that kind of budget branding you would uh, see um, the, i'm looking at a copy of it right now period. the ob strip has a 2800 yen uh tag okay. on it and it only came out in Japan, is that right? Japan only, yeah. But through um, the right. the power of um, the Great Seas <laughs> piracy, I guess, um, the market. It, it found its way. Neutral market. Throughout. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And based on anybody who did have kind of exposure to the game um, prior to like, emulation really kicking off and stuff, it does seem as if it was mainly kind of distributed in European markets and African markets as well, apparently. Um, it's got a big following in Egypt, um, one of my Egyptian friends. Let me know, once again, just must have so happened to pop off there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the history of how it came about, and the developer... Like, I never can. It's, right. Yeah, so the developer of the game is a 
called Kid. It's Kindle Imagine Develop, I believe. Yep. Um, very strange choice of developer for this game, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Basically, their entire portfolio of games, aside from Pepsi Man, is in the Bishojo visual novel scene. So basically, like kind of romance visual novels or a kind of visual novel centered around like schoolgirls and that sort of thing, like kind of like, that sort of game. But pretty much all of what they did, aside from a few examples, was very much predicated towards that style of game. So it's pretty interesting that Pepsi Man was like the the one one of the games of a few where they went, you know what, we're making an exception. We're we're breaking our company mantra and we're really going for it. We want to nail Pepsi Man, and for my money, they did. So uh, yeah, it's ten points to kid for that. <laughs> they also made GI Joe and. Uh... Battle Grand Prix for the SNES. I don't know. The SNES has like 14 million F1 games, and I know nothing about them. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Well, they, they have racing heritage. So, I mean, once again, it's fitting in this theme of time extend nicely, but... There you go. Yeah. It, the thing about Pepsi Man in general is just it's, it's a very surreal experience from start to finish because in some levels it's like people are absolutely raging that there's no Pepsi left in the vending machine, so you, you basically destroy San Francisco to get there and, and get them their Pepsi. <laughs> and then in the second level, it's more about the fact that there's like a massive fire, kind of like a Chicago type level, um, and there's people stuck on the roof, but they need their Pepsi because they're thirsty. So the, the fireman's like, don't worry, we've got that We've got that side of things, we, we can sort the fire. But all the people who've evacuated to the roof for some reason, um, they really need that Pepsi. So once again, that's where that level takes you. Um, the last spinning machine in the building is on the uh, at the top. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> it. And, and if you're told, listen, we can get to the ground floor potentially and get to safety, or we can go to the top floor and get a Pepsi and then go back down. Yeah. You're always going to go for that second option. Of get your blood sugar up, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But um, in the third level i believe it's i always remember it being pretty random because it doesn't really seem to fit the theme of anything but um there's no like really there's no real overarching narrative for the third level it's just that you're kind of running on a highway similar to like route 66 or something uh what i did learn when i got older and seen the adverts for pepsi man is it's based around one of the ads i believe um that one so that's kind of where it comes from but the funniest thing about the third level is that the the boss so like the bosses in the game are always basically one big thing chasing you as a lot of games in that era are first level is like a pepsi can uh the second big massive pepsi can the second one is a fire truck no sorry coca-cola truck um that's chasing you but obviously debranded so they don't um Stoke the flames too much of that Large great red Pepsi Coca Cola yeah. war. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I actually think in the adverts it's like a pizza company, like Big Red Pizza or something like that. But it's definitely the the Pepsi logo. And the, the third boss is just like uh, a massive truck carrying loads of logs. And then that truck crashes and the logs all fall off the the truck, but they like form like a a sentient oval like like the other things and just like kind of mash together and chase you because obviously logs hate pepsi man for some reason <laughs> yeah it's pretty strange um rivalry is all this yeah. time oh yeah absolutely if it's not coca-cola it's logs that's just uh, <laughs> the way it goes then the final level the big crescendo is at pepsi city as mentioned earlier which is a, a full city dedicated to pepsi and 
Oh, sorry. Really quick editor note. That's actually just what American cities look like, Brent. No, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I wish you had told me already before we started recording, Andrew. That, sorry, that I, would have added I, more I thought everyone knew me. that. My bad. I... <laughs> <laughs> but I think like the plot in this one is like the, the Pepsi lab is going to self-destruct for some reason. So Pepsi Man has to run through Pepsi City and, and go to the depths of the Pepsi lab to, to stop the, the self-destruct button, if I remember right. Um, and yeah, I mean that that's the plotline. It doesn't get much better than that. I heard Naughty Dog use that as the basis for The Last of Us, and they just kind of tweaked it <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Jokes I mean. aside, that's a better plot than The Last. Of Us. I'm unemployed now. I can say that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm selling it. <laughs> you know, I've like never watched any of these ads, and I I definitely missed out on something here because like they're weird. Um, Actually, surprisingly horny. I wasn't really expecting it to go in that direction, but a number of these are involve involve women like bathing by the beach and shit. Um, now he's like diving off of a building into a hotel pool. Now he's on a plane. Now he's skiing. This is a fascinating adventurous individual. Yeah, he does it all. Pepsi Man really did it all. I feel like this game is actually, if anything else, it's kind of like limiting him a little bit, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he gets to, to ride a skateboard at one part, which is pretty sick. Um, but I just wish they included more of the backstory of Pepsi Man himself, because right. basically the idea is some sort of scientist that comes into contact with Holy Pepsi, and then that turns him into Pepsi Man. <laughs> Who among they us has not encountered the Holy Pepsi? <laughs> they don't still they don't still use Pepsi Man as a mascot, do they? No, it's been, yeah, it's sadly not. That really is a shame. It really is that the, the the lengths the character goes to to get people Pepsi is definitely something that transcends years. So like twenty twenty four, it could be the year of Pepsi Man if they're if if Pepsi have their head on their shoulders, they'll know exactly that. You know. It reminds me of like if you sanded a lot of the edges off, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me a lot of the Burger King thing from you know back in the the Sneak King era days, uh, the big bump and oh, pocket yeah. bike racers, things of yes. this nature. You yeah. know the, the the Steve Bannon specials. <sighs> um, that I, I feel like that was uh, kind of that like last era of people trying to do something with advertising before everyone just kind of realized that this stuff doesn't work. Um, without getting into the whole collapse of the ad economy that we're looking at now, but I feel like there is if not for the direction that everything got pulled into everyone needing to be like a Wendy's Twitter brand, I feel like we could have seen a timeline where a modern day Pepsi was like yeah, what if what if we bring this back? What if, what if we just lean into this? And I feel like that would be very uh Difficult to do without looking really cynical about it, but they got stars too. Mike Tyson is in one of these. He's in a fight with Mike Tyson. I, there, there's an eight-minute compilation of every Pepsi Man commercial that oh looks my. to be like I don't know upscaled somehow because these look too clear, and uh, it's a trip. I, I highly recommend everybody go watch it. Uh, I'm also a little bit. I don't know if this happens in the game, but like when Pepsi Man like opens his mouth. Because his face, you know, he's wearing, like, a whole bodysuit, and, like, his head is just perfectly smooth. There are no features on it. But when he opens his mouth, there is all of a sudden a giant gaping hole in the middle of his face. 
and it's kind of so it's upsetting. Creepy. Yeah, it's upsetting. I don't. Like it. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea is it's not a bodysuit at all, but rather he is just like a sentient titanium man, so, silver surfer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that the, the hole does appear in the game, but obviously very pixelated. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I always kind of read it as like a Terminator 2, like liquid metal kind of thing. Yeah. But I've been watching some uh, footage from Long Play while we've been talking about it, Brend, and there is. There are a lot of sections of this game that are effectively auto scrollers or whatever, um, but there's some spots in here with some like actually interesting like momentum and locomotion that feel very like. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, kind of incredible crisis, or you know, if we're looking at other yeah. like high energy PS One games that are very like uh, like Rising Zan. Uh, I'm trying to think of other <laughs> instances Rising where people do very cartoonish. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super sexy Ultra Hero Zan. Yeah, there's no there's no dull moments in the gameplay, which is pretty cool because it does kind of freshen things up with some odd scenarios like the. I'm pretty sure the skateboarding scene precedes um, Sonic Adventures. Very, very similar mm. kind of gameplay on the of getting basically just chased down the hill and stuff. So it's interesting to see that maybe Sonic ripped off Pepsi Man. I mean, I'm just going to throw that allegation. I, I think out we, there, you I know, think we but... can say that definitively. <laughs> this minecart level is just running circles around Donkey Kong Country. Does Pepsi Woman ever appear in the game? Because apparently there was an another mascot. There was a female yeah. version of the mascot named Pepsi Woman. So Pepsi Woman was the um, the diet Pepsi mascot. Of course. Um, yeah, of course. As, um, as is typical. Woof. There's actually Pepsi Lemon Twist as well, which is Pepsi Woman wearing a balaclava that looks like a lemon. Something she appears. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but the on Pepsi Man, it's strictly about Pepsi Why? Man, so it's um, there's a few extra skins in there, but sadly Pepsi Woman doesn't make an appearance. Maybe that was the sequel in a very Miss Pac-Man type vein. Perhaps we were going to get a full dedicated game to, to Pepsi Woman, but sadly, uh, not in this one. I love the idea that this faceless character needs to wear a balaclava for some reason. Mask their <laughs> identity. I think uh, like the idea behind that. Uh, balaclava is like in the ad Pepsi Woman's pretending not to be Pepsi Woman so of course she's trying to give them the other drink without them knowing that it that it's <laughs> Pepsi but <laughs> yeah it, it's very weird um the, the ad obviously my lim limited to no Japanese understanding it's kind of hard to pick up but that's that's my interpretation anyway <laughs> <laughs> so this is great but it also it does remind me of the Burger King games as Andrew mentioned and I think one day we'll have to talk about was a big bumping. <laughs> yeah, we might as well throw <laughs> pocket bumping. bike racers in there as well. Pocket right? bike racers, that's, that's the yeah. one. Big bumping is that? Did I make? Is that bumper cars? Yeah. Okay. And pocket bike racers a racing game. Got it. So I mean, I think that'd be cool to go through as well, just because I've heard there's a really weird history behind those games as well that's been covered oh yes yes there is one <laughs> one daniel o'dwyer has done a great piece on that with uh no clip on youtube if you're interested folks at home but, no, uh, I'm interested. Yes, that was a very strange set of circumstances that brought us those <laughs> cursed artifacts yeah strange <laughs> they're made in my hometown lemton oh, oh shit well. 
Yeah, by, by Blitz Games, yeah. Mm. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And it only came out in, yeah, the built in, uh, well, created in the UK and only yet released in the US. Yes. <laughs> and Battle's compatible now, right? They actually work on the Xbox uh, series. Oh, really? they do? Sure. That's incredible. Wow. I'm pretty sure they still work. I'm sure someone was testing them and they still work, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> well, I remember, I mean, that might be the only game, Andrew, Andrew would know this, you would know this, is that the only game that was released, like, technically across Xbox and Xbox 360? Like, it was one disc, right? <sighs> to my knowledge, And you could play it in both case, consoles. Because, yeah, there are two... Yeah. I don't know if it's two separate executables or how it's actually broken up on the disc, but I believe there's just, like, a, an XISO and a .XBE, <clears throat> if I recall. But, yeah, there is an Xbox game and an Xbox 360 game on each of those discs. Um... They were, I believe, three dollars a piece or three ninety nine or something like that. But uh, I just bought them in a drive through window. <laughs> it was what, like two thousand five, two thousand. I didn't even have a three sixty yeah. at the time, but uh, my rich friend right. did. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, he also had a big old HD CRT, which is how we were able to read anything playing Dead Rising. Oh boy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So stories yeah. for other. And they had achievements right as well. They had. They uh, were like full probably, games. Oh so, yeah. yeah. I mean, they would have had to have then back in the day on the 360, yeah. right? They would have... Very early days for the 360 as well. So, yeah, any any excuse you could to get people invested into your... Uh, you game the score, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your walled garden. <laughs> All right. I mean, in terms of Pepsi, man, I'm happy to kind of wrap it up on the notes that I've said so far. Um, it's definitely worth playing more so for the obscurity than anything else but yeah i'm actually going to end on a slightly sad note with it though and say that they did release the uh, soundtrack of this game on vinyl i think it must have been about four or five years ago now because it was posted in our discord um when it went live and i bought it and it just never arrived it was during COVID. oh no uh, just just never actually i think um maybe oh, ben fact in the discord also ordered it and his did arrive and yeah, I, I emailed and just never got <sighs> anything back. I've still got the receipt and it's just like, oh. Did you so get I'm a refund? Like, did you get your money uh, back? They just didn't acknowledge the email, so it was, oh, <laughs> it's no. just a bit of a shame. It was, it was cheap to be sorry. fair, it was like £18 or something, but um, yeah, it was it was more disappointing. It was definitely during Covid, I think, so it must have been 2020. I'll check in with Ben Fact on that, but... Yeah. Pepsi Man has not gotten a lot of work in like the last twenty five years. He he kind of <laughs> he's been on the couch just chain right. smoking. Bring him back. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking RC cola over it. Yeah. <laughs> can after can. Your money went to someone who needed it. <sighs> yep. <laughs> on that right. note. We're gonna move on. Uh Paul, you wanna talk about the next one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so as soon as we started to come up with this idea of running games, uh, Mirror's Edge was the game that came to me immediately, which I found to be a fascinating game. Um, so I played it when it came out, and I finished it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I was I was awful at it. I was clinking into the, the walls and jumping up and everything, and I found it fascinating. And then you go and watch people play on YouTube, and it was like they were playing a different game, hmm. like the the way they could string all these moves together and stuff, and it made it look like it's poetry going through these levels. Um, but I just thought I thought it was it was really cool, it was a really interesting game, and I think uh, yeah, that was it had that vibe as well. I really like the sort of visual art style to that game and the whole sort of feeling of the theme of it, and it was just really cool. Yeah, just it was it was a fascinating experience actually. 
and that was yeah don't know what you guys experience was with mirror's edge i played it briefly i can't remember if like i think i might have like gamefly at the time or if it wasn't that like i rented or i like borrowed my brother's copy or something like that i played it for a bit and i I remember being absolutely taken aback by like just the appearance of it and just like a a stunning game is still aged like phenomenally well um and then i like a lot of really interesting games back then i just never went back to actually finish the thing (laughs) so it's like two hours long dude yeah i don't know i don't know what it was i was like this is really really cool and then i don't know i went back to playing some like gt5 prologue or something i have no idea yeah yeah it it was it was short it came out i think i think it came out similar time to dead space i remember playing and dead both ea games obviously at similar time yeah it was um yeah that was their big push it's cool to have that music the sound that soundtrack the title screen the main theme for it. it was it was cool um and then they released the time trials, didn't they? I think I can't remember if that was extra content after the game came out. And these really sort of, um, sort of, they weren't like buildings of they're like cubes in the middle of space. They looked like something out of Sonic or something, or like jumping around. Uh, and they were they were fascinating, and they held a like online leaderboards for them and stuff like that. It was nice. it was really cool, interesting. Yeah, I think they kind of knew they were making speedrunner bait. You know, I think there are some tools built Great. in to Absolutely. measure some of your uh, like times and progress and stuff throughout that game. Uh, I played through it on PS3 back in the day, I think, just because I had recently gotten a cheap PS3 and wanted to play something, and that was probably on PS Plus or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the game is fascinating. It's I remember at the time hearing a lot of uh, I I feel like the prevailing um, what's the word I'm looking for sentiment. Uh, at the time that I was hearing a lot was like, yeah, the game has a lot of really cool uh, movement tech in it, but uh, there's also a lot of really bad gunplay. Um, <laughs> and people just talking about it like, assuming that EA pressured DICE into making it a shooter, I guess, or something. And I don't mm. I don't know, man. I wasn't there. That was many years ago. And hearsay and assumptions anyway. But uh, to be stubborn, my first playthrough, I made sure that I just never picked up a gun after the tutorial. I, like, was Googling it to make sure, like, okay, what are the trigger points that are going to stop me from getting the trophy for never firing a gun? That's right. There's a trophy for finishing yes. the pacifier trophy. That's yeah. right. Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. that that was going to be my question, is how hard is it to avoid shooting anything? It's not, you, you just yeah. run and jump on you stuff. Can, it's fine. Okay. You can And you could slide right and stuff. You could sort of... You could sort of... Uh, Scissor like kick dudes and stuff. slide and stuff. There are a lot of good ways yeah, to... And the, uh, it was definitely designed around being able to do it without combat, without shooting as well. Yes, um, I believe you can hold guns as long as you don't fire one and still get the trick. Because right. there's disarm maneuvers you can do, and then you can just throw the gun. That away, results, yeah. yeah. You get the gun, but at least they don't have it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Paul, I like your point about that game looking like a completely different game when you watch, uh, like really high level play of it. I really love um, games where just the yeah. movement is. Uh, the skill ceiling for that stuff is really high. Um, mm-hmm. You know, watching yeah. uh, speedrunners play like Jets at Radio Future or um, Mega Man X or just any game that's really zippy like that uh, is mm-hmm. fascinating, especially when they've memorized all their routes and stuff. Because it is like watching someone play uh, Wipeout or something where they're just like throwing the back end of their craft around corners yeah. and stuff with like expert abandon instead of reckless abandon. <laughs> and seeing the things that people can do inside uh, the confines of Mirror's Edge. Um, you know, even 
all these years later, people are still developing new uh, movement and route tech and stuff in that game. And it's it's fascinating. It's really, really cool. There is a very high skill ceiling to that game. It's kind of the opposite of like something like uh, Vanquish, the platinum uh, shooter from mm-hmm. a similar era, um, which is a um, very, very low skill ceiling, I think, by comparison. That is a game that is uh, wants you to be able to do a lot of cool stuff really easily, um, but there's not actually necessarily a lot that you can do from there, if that makes sense. Like, uh, There's not a lot you mm-hmm. can do with the tools and verbs that they give you beyond... Uh, their stated purpose, if that makes sense. Whereas I feel like Mirror's Edge sure. is, uh, gives you a few tools to play with and then says, here, just start uh, connecting these things in whatever way feels like natural and frictionless to you. And I think as familiarity grows with that game, it's easy to start like letting your own uh, kind of mental hangups, I guess, uh, melt away as you get into that flow and you just start like uh, reacting to pieces of, you know, parkour sets in the environment, I guess, before you consciously notice them, if that makes sense. You just kind of start moving. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've been monologuing for a long time. That game's neat. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And uh, and, and uh, um, I never played sequel, actually. Me sequel was much much bigger game, wasn't it? It had quests, and you met NPCs on that, and you did missions yeah, and stuff not there, I think. Uh, but uh, I didn't. I, I never actually played it, no. I just want to run around and go new. That that was gonna be my question was how was the sequel? But I also like as I'm looking uh, at like images of this game again. It was this like the game that dragged us out of like the next gen filter everything brown era? Because I feel like after this, because this was like 2008. <laughs> after this, nine, things yeah. things started to get better. Yeah, I think it def- it definitely helped in the. Uh- Look, video games can look like blue skies again right, and stuff, yeah. right? And pretty, yeah. As opposed to grungy and, uh, yeah, dirty. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably sometimes... a game. <laughs> oh no, it's. I was just saying. Sometimes gray boxing your level and leaving it that way can be a, a choice. <laughs> if you yeah. lean into it, you can actually make that look really cool. <laughs> yeah. Probably a really easy game to remaster as well, like just because of all the use of flat colors and that sort of thing. Like you could probably just crack that to 4K, smooth some things out, and it would still look really good. <laughs> yeah, because at the time the PC version as well was um, was incredible. Like the PS3 one was 30 frames a second, as all those game all games were back if then, that, like, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and it yeah. was the, six, the PC one was like yeah, a remarkable jump in, in fidelity. It was, it was great. So yeah, a remaster would be cool. I bet that game probably emulates pretty well at this point now as well. <laughs> I've not tried, but... I mean, there's gotta be... A, do they still sell the PC version of the first one on, like, digital storefronts, or...? Let's find out. I don't know, does anyone have EA Origin? Oh, it's not called Origin. It's a, whatever. Uh, it's on Steam! It's <laughs> $20 on... Because it would never launch dollars Still? $20 yeah. on Steam, the first Mirror's Edge. Uh, yeah, there you go. And the sequel is currently two ninety nine. Wow. Oof. Wow. That one wasn't well regarded across the board, was it? If I remember right, like I don't think it kind of missed the point of the first game's simplicity and it did. It seemed like linearity. the kind of thing where it was like, hey, this thing was like a huge, uh, you know, like fan favorite game, and people have been asking us to throw them a bone for many years. Let's give them something. 
And then it was like, oh, but we also need to make our money back to be able to justify this. So let's put a bunch <laughs> of other things in there and focus test it. Um, yeah. And then it came out being something very, very different that kind of no one was looking for. Or at least, again, that's the story that I was told about this game, I feel like, through like cultural osmosis or whatever. Um, but a good friend of mine insists that that game actually rules really hard if you ignore that stuff and just uh, go oh, new. Wow. Just run and jump a lot. <laughs> It's the type of game then that somebody might make like a mod version of it, just like oh, yeah. to streamline it down to exactly the way the first game was and just remove all that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Could imagine that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I wish I wish I had more say on it personally, but I just think it looks really pretty. <laughs> so, <laughs> it does, it does. That's, that's all I got. excellent as well. Alright, so I'll uh I'll move on to mine, if I may. And uh, yeah, this one I feel like is going to garner a lot of differing opinions. Uh, so when, when I thought of a running game, the first game that came to my mind was Sonic R. Because yes. it's probably the, <laughs> the earliest game I ever played where running was a focus that was also a racing game. I mean, like I didn't grow up with a lot of Sonic, even though we had like a Sega Saturn and stuff. Uh, my family, I... I really just wanted to race, you know, and like the Sonic, uh, the original Sonic games at that point. So, you know, we're talking about like the Genesis Mega Drive games. Like, I think we had Sonic Jam on the Saturn. So I, I would revisit those through that compilation. But when you're a kid, you know, you're especially at that time, I was like, I don't want to play this like weird 2D thing. I want to I want to not be able to control Sonic at breakneck speeds and hit every <laughs> single obstacle. Uh, on this very confusing track. And so I played a lot of Sonic R when I was a kid. And I revisited it a bunch of times over the years. It's never been the kind of game that I would ever say is like a favorite. But I did revisit it uh, ahead of this podcast. I played through the whole thing, which does not take long. I mean, it it would take long if I didn't save state incessantly. But you have to with this game because the controls are so terrible. But it's really weird because, like, it's it's a very charming game for so many reasons. Uh, it has that, like, love it or hate it soundtrack, TJ Davis, every song. Who I was hates doing the Sonic Oh, there are people. Well, well so if you go back and you, and you look at reviews, like, that was actually a complaint for a lot of, like, publications wow. at the time. Was that, like... I'm, I'm about to act up. Yeah, was that it's annoying and actually um, we're gonna have a problem. Like the the lead designer uh, or one of the main people on the game or on the game was a producer or something. Uh, fought for the instrumentals to be included uh, in the soundtrack. So in the settings, you can just choose instrumental version versions of those songs because they were worried that it was going to put people off. And originally, I think. It was set up so that like the vocal versions were buried like they were automatically off but then oh, wow. developing developing the game and stuff they came around they were like you know what these these sound really good we like them grew on them and they <laughs> and they decided to put that put that forward so if you don't have uh, anyone asking if you can feel the sunshine how are you going to notice it organically you know i know i know <laughs> apparently uh she came in so tj davis uh uh, British uh, singer. She she came in to record Supersonic Racing, you know, the, the title <laughs> track we all remember, know and love from Sonic R. And uh, something I read, uh, I've 
Seen it attributed to, the, to Yuji Naka, but maybe not. Uh, maybe it was just someone else at Sega, but I read something that said that like Yuji Naka loved that song so much that she demanded <laughs> that they try to bring her back to do vocals for all the other songs as well. So, <laughs> wow. so yeah, she, she clearly... And I mean, she you know R- R- uh, Richard Jakes, uh, of course, composed the soundtrack. Uh, they would work together again, uh, him and TJ Davis, on MSR because she did a couple songs in MSR as well. So, huh. yeah, this right. is... Uh, the, the soundtrack in of itself is just, like, one thing about Sonic R, though. I mean, it's it's one of the few Saturn games that, like, looks good. It, like, one of the few, like, 3D polygonal Saturn games that, like, looks good in a way that isn't just, like, looks good for Saturn. Like, it legitimately, yeah. it, like, it's a very pretty game. Everything's covered in, like these like gradients and like everything's just like kind of bubble bubblegum gradients and they actually have like really sophisticated like transparency like this game has pop in but they hide it with transparency which like to my knowledge i i was like you can't do that on saturn and sure enough the uh one of the uh so one of the guys who worked on the game actually he has a youtube channel and i really should have this open so the channel's called game hut and uh, I really feel bad that I cannot remember this guy's name. Um, I will find it. John Burton. Uh, okay, John Burton uh, from Travelers from Travelers Tales, who developed the game. He goes into like how they did it, like how they were able to perform transparency and stuff like that on the Saturn. And I'm not smart enough to understand it, but it's really cool. Uh, yeah, just really. And I mean. Again, yeah, controls like shit. Trying to steer Sonic in 3D space is an impossible task in any game. I don't blame TT for that at all. It's just a bad concept. Um, But it's very charming, and at least with an emulator today, you can just, like, every time you run into something, you just restart the level. It's fine. You know? It's not a big deal. Did it support the analog controller? It did. It did. And I think that that definitely helps uh, the 3D analog pad. Um, The other reason I I still tend to like this game is because it does something that uh, another racing game that I I like a lot more, um, but I have massive respect for did as well, which is Beetle Adventure Racing. And the thing that links those two games is they are racing games, but they are also exploration games. So with Sonic R you are there's like two collectibles basically in the level there's every track has one or two chaos emeralds and then they also have these coins and you know the emeralds and the coins are hidden in certain places a lot of them are hidden behind doors that you have to have like a number of rings to progress through the door to pick up whatever that object is and by unlocking these or by by getting these things and finishing first or finishing i think uh first second or third you get to unlock characters. Um, I think by collecting Chaos Emeralds, you get Super Sonic, Yellow Sonic. That's Super Sonic, right? That's, yeah, yeah. Goku. Sonic. Yeah. Sure, sure. Goku. Yes. Uh, Hedgehog Goku. <laughs> and once you do, he's like he's by far like the best character in the game. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a maddening game, but again, there's something that keeps me coming back, and I'm interested to know if you guys have. Uh, I've ever played much of it. Yeah, so for me, my exposure <laughs> to the game is actually um, would have been Sonic Gems Collection. I think it was yes. on on yeah. the PlayStation Two. Yeah, so it was Gems Collection for me, and that was included with like I think it was Sonic CD, Sonic the Fighters, and something else. 
can't remember what the other one is, but yeah, that was my first exposure to it on the PlayStation 2, and, and like you were saying, Adam, controls gameplay-wise, not exactly the best in the world. Um, it's enjoyable enough if you're a Sonic fan to try and put up with it, but really yeah. the, the main strength of the game is the, the just general vibes of the thing, I think. Obviously the soundtrack is what obviously takes precedent with the conversation, but I really like the kind of almost Sonic CD bonus stage-like environments that the, the tracks kind of take place in. That's what I've always kind of thought it reminds me of, like those bonus stages and those yeah. weird like, 3D areas that Sonic Mania brought back as well. Um, and yeah, like the exploration piece as well, because obviously once you, you start to realise trying to actually enjoy the racing element is a, a bit of a bum steer. <laughs> the enjoyment really comes from trying to actually just get what you can out of the game and the exploration part is definitely where I found the most enjoyment alongside the the general vibe of the game and I think Amy drove a car if I can remember correctly as well yeah. in this game so yeah. but the physics still seem predicated towards running so it's just a, a very strange experience but one thing about Sonic uh, Super Sonic sorry just because we were talking about that am I imagining or did you have to have rings to actually like go at full speed as supersonic in Sonic R. I can vaguely recall it still used the ring like mechanic that the games had, but oh. I might be just misremembering something there because it has been a while since I've played, but I'm sure that his speed is kind of throttled by how many rings he has. But yeah, it was just something that popped into my head when we were talking about supersonic. That might be the case. Uh see I unlocked him. Uh, I didn't unlock all the characters, but I unlocked him, and I I didn't notice that, um, and I'm not actually seeing it. Sonic Retro, by the no, way. I mean, God, <laughs> God, God, this is the only time I'll ever say this. God bless the Sonic community and their, uh, peerless record keeping. There is so much information on this game that nobody likes except for them, for the most part, and it's really, <laughs> it's really, really sweet. Because um, a lot of the times when we talk about games on Time Extend, you know, there's the just I think by nature of racing games, they're not very well well covered. Their histories aren't very well known. Uh, I do want to read this one quote very quickly. Uh, thankfully, it's been preserved on Wikipedia. Um, so I think years later, uh, Hirokazu Yashuhara, Sonic uh, designer, you know, worked with Traveler's Tales on the game. Uh, he said in an interview, quote, uh, the final version of Sonic R is actually quite good. However, I do admit that the base concept of Sonic R, in which a player drives running characters, is not great. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much well, sums it up. You never play Pepsi Man, that's a trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the last not thing I want great. to call out about this game, actually, um, is the amazing Chaos Emerald screen at the end of the, the races. So mm -hmm. whenever you get a Chaos Emerald at the end, it comes up and shows you how many you've got. But like, rather than have specific ones for like Chaos Emeralds or Emerald, it just says you got Chaos Emerald bracket S. S, yeah. Brackets. So like it was just, they couldn't be bothered putting two in there, they just, yeah. And if you don't... So who needs who needs two lock strings when you can do one? <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. yeah. <laughs> if you don't finish first, you also don't get the Emerald. So what ends up happening is like it appears on the screen, like the spinning like diagram or whatever, the, the picture, the gif of the Emerald basically, and then it falls and behind is the word no. So it's, uh, no chaos emeralds. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> rules. It's it is it is a it is a strange game. I have one interesting fact that blew me away. I did not know this, and I don't think you guys know it either. Did you know 
that this was originally supposed to be a Formula One game. I did not. Yeah. Really? So what happened wow. was, and this is also something same that we tracks, know to be right? true. Same courses. Same tracks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it was Motor Tune Grand Prix, but with F1 cars. Um, no other so, way around. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the Game Hut channel uh, from John Burton uh, of Traveler's Tales, yeah. he posted a video actually where there is a model of a McLaren, you know, the McLaren F1 team, like that era car. It's in the game files, like it's in there, and he put it back together. It has oh. Marlboro on it and everything. Oh, and wow. basically, <clears throat> what I've seen anyway, as I understand it, is... Um, Sega wanted a Formula One title for the Saturn. Now, what's weird is they had F1 Challenge, so I guess they wanted someone else to do it. Um, and they wanted something to compete with, you know, Bizarre Creations doing uh, Formula One on the PlayStation. So we'll they talk hired. We'll in a minute. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's true. So, so they hired <laughs> Traveler's Tales to do it, but then what ended up happening, I guess, as they were working on it, is Sonic Extreme did not come out it got canceled yeah. so sega was like well how can we use this like racing game in the works because back then i mean they developed this whole game in nine months apparently so you know things moved thing moves things moved a lot more quickly back then i i think even for that time that was still pretty fast <laughs> That's but quick. uh yeah but yeah so then they just kind of recast it into a sonic racing game and jeez yeah crazy wow and it was the only proper only sonic game on the sun right it didn't have it Saturn never had its own sonic unless you count platform jam, game i guess right oh, the, the jam was a compilation wasn't it? yeah it had, but jam had, little, had like, a little bonus yeah. level didn't it yeah jam had some never had its own which might be my had its own actual game yeah, 3D, 3D, blast 3D, blast 3d blast is on saturn i have it yeah. somehow yeah but that also right. released across generations too so yeah, yeah. it was on other yeah. stuff <laughs> as well is that right yeah i think I think that little running around area in Jam might be yep. my favorite Sonic-related thing. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I realize it that's is. a backhanded compliment, <laughs> but uh, I like it. It's cozy. It's cute. It is really cool. I used the, to like just run around that area a lot. The water's just a texture on the ground that's blue. There's no water there. It's great. It works. Yeah, that's that's the thing about Sonic R though is that like it's a great game. What I think is really funny is that, like, I can get lost in exploring those levels, right? And just even, like, getting into places where I'm not supposed to go, which is actually a little bit harder than you might think. Like, they do a surprisingly good job of walling off the levels. Yeah. And there's even parts where, like, the game... Because if you look at the track map from above, it is complete nonsense. It's, like, it other so fucking leaky. mayhem. And, like, I... <laughs> there are points where, like, you take a shortcut and it's very easy. It's like the game wants you to then get back on the regular track going the wrong way uh and there's even times there's uh one spot on the reactive factory track where i noticed that when you're going the right way the game tells you you're going in reverse so it even confuses itself sometimes <laughs> but um what i think is really funny is that when you're doing a race as soon as all the other competitors cross the finish line the race automatically ends whether or not you have yourself so the game almost puts a time limit on how much you can explore the level <laughs> like is that uh, like the sega gt online thing where just as soon as someone wins the race it's over it's over it's over no more racing everyone go home <laughs> who came in second doesn't matter all right that's all i have to say on sonic r we gotta keep moving because i think we have two more games to talk about so 
Uh, is it time? Is that, I suppose so. Is that is that me then? That's that's you. Go okay. Um, I've been very busy lately, folks. So I apologize. I've not uh, brushed up on either of these games as much as I would have liked to ahead of time. But when we first half jokingly talked about uh, running games, the first two things that came to my mind were number one is uh, an Xbox game by Crystal D called Mad Dash Racing, which is the other sonic r in my brain in terms of like little cartoon animal characters running around course um the difference is um mad dash controls much more like a regular kart racer with like jumpy platformy physics um but has way less personality than sonic r whereas sonic r is uh uncontrollable uh but boundlessly delightful in spite of the presence of the hated blue rat boy um <laughs> That's a thing is that's about all I have to say about Mad Dash Racing. <laughs> um, I I popped in an OXM disc and played a demo, and I was like, "Yep, this exists. It's fine. You could do worse." Um, that that's about all I got. Um, there may be more to dig into there if someone wants to spend the time someday, but uh, I I just don't have a lot for it there. There just was not a lot of meat on the bone. Um. That I was able to encounter at least sorry yeah go ahead no I was gonna say I I didn't know what you were talking about at all but then as soon as I looked up cover art for the game I was like yes I remember this <laughs> ah, yes. I remember this very well I never <laughs> played it but it's just one of those things like because we're still at this point this was on the original Xbox yep. and nothing 2001 else, which I thought it oh was. this was a launch title yep Oh shit! So yeah, in this, at this point, we are very much in still in the throes of like the the two mascot era. Like this was this was like in the next couple of years, it would die down. But I think it, it was still really important to have like mean, angry, furry cartoon <laughs> characters in your games. Yeah, and yeah, this kind I of mean, proves it. This is kind of that last like. I don't think it actually died down until uh, the crown was given to. Um, our boy uh clank or whatever his name not clank what's the 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 mark cerny game no the, the oh, oh, oh knack there knack. we go oh no um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like clank with a k and i was like not rushing what's the other guy um and i was like you know mark cerny's weird little wooden pet friend thing um but no, uh, I was going to say, like, this kind of came out of an era where you have, like, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger and yes. Cow the Dogs. Kangaroo yeah. and, yeah. like, just so, so right. many of these new 3D uh, Arrow the Acrobats yeah. and Bubsies of, of the new was, generation. There was nothing more offensive to me as a kid than, like, when I'd see a game like that and it'd be like, it's Ty the Tasmanian. Like, you know Ty? Like, I don't know. Who the fuck is this guy? Like, where did he come from? Why should I care about him? <laughs> no, it's just like, it's it's like, you know, it's trading on nothing. What if there was nothing. a little guy going around and then you you just got to trust that? How is he so, different <laughs> from all the other little guys? I don't Didn't you know, see the advertising, like, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was kicking Sonic and stealing Mario's hat. And, like, <laughs> oh, he was that guy. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, that's definitely why I should have cared about him. He was that's throwing funny. a Super Nintendo and a Mega Drive into a big chest in the <laughs> attic, covered dust, telling you to do the math. I'm combining a lot of yeah, things that's, right that's now. A lot I'm of sorry. Um, We're, wait for Jaguar Racing Games. That, that episode yeah. is coming soon. That, that's a short episode. <laughs> I, might, I might actually have all of those at this point. Um, 
Uh-huh. You- so as soon as you started talking about that, I, th- I was thinking about Pen Pen on the Dreamcast. Oh, yeah. That's the Triacelon. Yeah, Triacelon, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Looking at gameplay for this one, it reminds me of Rayman M, actually. Did anybody play that by any chance? Rayman M was actually a running racing game. I was going to say, was there also a Rayman Kart Runner? Actually came out two weeks after Mad Dash. Uh, Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, that that wasn't great either. Um, The controls are very floaty. Um, there's no, nothing really descriptive about it aside from it looks at Mad Dash, and by the sounds of it, Mad Dash looks like Rayman M. So okay. I guess yeah. they so, have a weird <laughs> cross-functional relationship going so, on there. But. So th- yeah, so that was Rayman Arena in the States. Yes. Oh, which is why, okay. Right. Which I always that assumed sense. that was like a party game or like a yep. Power Stone type thing or something without looking at it. Not, wor- yeah, not, not so very so well so advertised. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's a really like funky final level in that game, like the final boss is like a wireframe level for some reason, for some undiscernible reason, but that's like the thing I remember the most because obviously when you're younger you remember strange levels like that, like Lava Land and Toka 2 and that sort of thing, and yeah, it's, that's all I can remember from it really. <laughs> yeah, the, the end of the intro paragraph on Wikipedia says it is split into two game modes, both supporting up to four players, on foot racing and arena-based battles. Wait, there was battles? Apparently. <laughs> I I ever All right. Well, I guess we need to check out Rayman Arena at some point. Put it on. Put it on your list. Um, does yeah, anyone? This racing does not look good. Just looking at the the gameplay, it's as if they just took the three D platformer physics and made really linear racetracks from it. They could have. <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> looking for images, I stumbled across a screenshot of the game from some like scam site that's like advertising it, and it's. T- Title of the page is Rayman Arena Definitive Edition, 52% oh, off. Amazing. <laughs> got, got to pick that up. <laughs> Game of the Year Edition. Does that just mean not the PS2 port? Because apparently that one's got some frame rate issues. I don't know. I'm literally just reading Wikipedia into a microphone. This is this is not good radio here. Um, well, people got away with that. Let's talk, let's talk <laughs> about know? the game. That's true. But let's talk about the game you guys came to talk about. Let's yes, the let's the other the other yeah. actual game that uh, I think Paul and I both defaulted to, which is Bizarre Creations 2008 release, The Club, <laughs> uh, which is not actually a running game. Weirdly enough, um, it's a very strange like. I remember being very very interested by the concept and then seeing footage of it and being like, a, oh oh oh, never mind. Um, and then uh, I, I picked up a copy of it again recently when we were uh, talking about this a couple weeks ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, there's there's even less meat on this bone maybe than Mad Dash. But it is an interesting <laughs> game that I think needs to be described at least. So if, if the people at home somehow do not remember the earth-shattering uh, cultural megaton moment that was the club, uh, it is... Okay, so Bizarre Creations... We, we know and love here on the show. Um, experimented with some other types of video games here and there that were not uh, racing projects anywhere near Gotham City. Um, or wars of geometry shapes. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, the club is a third-person shooter with like c- Tony Hawk-esque combo mechanics, I guess you could say. <laughs> but they're very, very light. 
uh, and not nearly as well integrated as like I, I guess like I think the closest thing I could think of in terms of like modern equivalent would be Roller Drome from was that twenty twenty two I think yeah um, and that game does a very good job of uh, having you constantly uh, moving and why didn't I I should have just come here to talk about Roller Drome anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead of talking Roller about the club because everyone. I'm broken um, but you know Roller Drome you're on roller skates and uh the club there are neither roll i was gonna say there are neither rollers nor drones but i don't really know what a drone is and I f the club feels kind of dromey to me um <laughs> but no it is a. It, it's a kind of like uh, how would you describe the premise uh, future apocalyptic game show smash tv style a little bit um oh, it, running man right it was kind yeah. of i think that was a nod yeah. to that yeah, very yeah. very running man um what does it say about me that my first go-to is Smash TV before running? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of very Xbox 360 looking warehouses that you are uh, kind of awkwardly running around in with a kind of over-the-shoulder, like, I, I don't know if this actually is in Unreal Engine 3, but it certainly looks like it at first There's glance. There's arrows everywhere. Yeah. I, like, Everything's <laughs> telling you yeah. where they go. It's really funny. Yeah, there's just... There's an idea here where it wants you to, like, do cool tricks, you know? Like, shoot a dude while jumping up off a rail or whatever, but, like, it's got, like, 10% of the steez that, like, uh, Stranglehold did around the same time, you know? Which was much better about uh, the, like, kind of Devil May Cry style, like, trying to judge your flashiness and the stylistic gameplay on the fly, I guess. Um, a little bit more subjectively quote-unquote uh whereas the club is much more concerned with uh combo meters and um trying to keep up score multipliers and uh the more arcadey and less kinesthetic aspects of that kind of thing um and the ultimate point that i'm trying to get to is i think the actual vision of the club that works is the mercenaries mode in resident evil 6 a game that uh everyone hates and i played through for the first time like a month ago and uh unsurprisingly was like oh this rules um anyway <laughs> but the uh the multiplayer mercenaries in that game is uh really really fun that's just like capcom at the top of their like third person action game design stuff in there um and it's a very good version of that but it's funnier time extend if we center the conversation around a game like the club so here we are speaking of richard I, i'm just gonna keep calling him jacques until he personally corrects me um fine fine richard jakes was also a composer on that game along with one yester yesper kid and uh chris chudley but uh I, I think it's funny that we have you know at least two of these very large name composers on a game that has immediately faded out of public consciousness like the exact moment that it arrived um it's exactly in the span of like you know uh metacritic zone of like between sixes and like high sixes and low eights um so it's exactly what you want to see it's in that it's in that good zone yeah. it looks very odd I'll say that. <laughs> Just looking at gameplay, like it kind of looks like something somebody would make in like dreams or something like that. Like if a they were trying bit, to yeah. make a game, like it's 
it, it doesn't necessarily look bad, but like it's weird how it's got this really specific concept, but then visually and stuff, they've just went for like the most entry-level basic look to the game for a game that's trying to be something a bit more, I guess, kind of cookie. It almost looks like the first time they showed off Brink before they tried to force a weird like yeah. cartoonish style onto Brink. Um, the first thing I thought of when I seen it for some reason was um, was it Mad World on the Wii. Like that yes, was also yeah, like a weird... I had to bring that up as well. Um, yeah, yeah, Mad World at least had a style. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah the black and white it was cool. Yeah, maybe burned my eyeballs a yeah. little bit after you know half an hour, but it's something. Um, and then you know, obviously that kind of got ditched for Anarchy Reigns uh, after that, which looked more yeah. like a video game, but. Yeah, this is very much in that vein. Um, I think on the edge of that is almost like Manhunt is sort of on that territory as well, but it's... Uh, Manhunt is trying to do something tonally very different, let's say. But uh, yeah, the club is... In my head, the club is a game where you run around a like little track, basically, doing Circle. laps around a multiplayer map. <laughs> Yeah. The way that you do in like Quake Three or whatever, where you start to like kind of like mentally just have your routes that you run around, yeah, yeah and the points that you know where to like jump at and stuff, because you're starting to think the way that you know like a Formula One driver does, where you look at your you know uh, your markers on the course and that's your mental note of like this is where I start braking or whatever. Except obviously, uh, doing that in Quake is um, much uh, more skillful and courageous and important. Um, I think we can all agree. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's the club's really not that. It's really just much more generic, uh, slow, syrupy, clunky third-person shooter that feels very bad in the hands and has a lot of numbers <laughs> popping up everywhere. So I guess this was my first example of coming on this show to not praise a video game. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I you could it's. I think the reason that it's actually interesting is because there have been so many other versions of this idea in kind of like forked off in different directions right over the years but like even looking at it now I'm still just like there's something here you could do something like even there are elements of this you could add into back into the like RE6 mercenaries mode that you could you could turn this into almost like a sunset overdrive kind of thing. I feel like, I don't know, watching the club is a frustrating experience because even more so than just playing the club because I just, you could do something so cool with this now if you got someone yeah. to give you the money to do so. But. Yeah, I mean, the movement has to be like engaging and it seems yes, like everything I'm reading not. about is that it isn't. It seems it's like- It's so not, it's so slow. It's pretty rigid. Imagine, yeah. imagine like 50 cent blood on the sand, but you're constantly yeah. egged on to keep moving. And also it has none of 50 cent blood on the sands. <laughs> hilarious story voice acting everything about that game Tony Yayo is nowhere near the club and that's the Tony, main reason that the club yeah, fails there's no one telling Fiddy to hit that big ass ramp and that's uh, disgusting frankly what a game that is uh, so, so Paul it doesn't sound like you were particularly high on it either no, not really, and I'm pretty much mirror what um, Andrew said with it. It was, yeah, it was, it was, I just remember seeing it again. It's interesting. I guess you got bored of making yeah. PGR, right? And they, like... want, they wanted to make something different, which is fine, obviously, and I think a lot of teams that made racing games back in the day were in a similar position. They wanted to do something different, but... Yeah. It does kind of feel like a really side project got greenlit. Right? They, like, they, instead of an incubation, like, if someone was just, like, 
messing with an engine or whatever, and someone's like, yeah, we could turn we could turn this into something. We could ship this. Yeah, I think Bazaar was really trying to reinvent itself uh, because this was still obviously Sega published, so this was before Blur, before Activision came in, after all the Microsoft stuff. Um, they're trying to branch out, and uh, I don't know. They everything. I think I think they were a phenomenal studio. So I think it's just one of those things that like they. I don't know. Probably probably need a little bit more a little bit more fleshing out. I think it says something that apparently they shopped this around to various different publishers, and Sega was the only ones that were like, "Yeah, let's try it." <laughs> Seems like a game that Sega would be like, "Yeah, yeah. let's try it." But also, Especially we're talking 2008 Sega, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they're like very rough. <laughs> They are holding on for dear life at that time, yeah, right? Especially over here in the West. But yeah, it's. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yes. No, so as you said, there, like the idea of a score action game with combos and yeah, what is one. It, that's the thing that that those that's a very popular thing in games, right? That and like you said, in Mercenaries and Resident Evil, it it's it's fantastic. They've done a really good job of it, and I think. Yeah, it's almost like they looked at the club and gone, we can do that, but in Resident <laughs> Evil world. And, <laughs> it's, and they did, they made something that's Maybe that was a catalyst, maybe the club was a catalyst for it. Yeah, and as a cooperative experience, like Mercenaries in RE6 is really, really fun. It's very satisfying, it's, it is quick and nimble and feels really good. Um, there's You have a very broad verb set, um, it's great, it's very expressive. Like, you can do that, you, you can... You can take the club... <laughs> And you can make something out of it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It seeing bizarre creations do something like this is like I feel like it's hard not to also draw the comparison of Criterion making Black in what oh five oh six something oh, like yeah. that. Except that really is applying the spirit of Burnout to a different um, genre. You know, Black is loud and explosive and destructive and over the top and ridiculous and. Uh, it's also see Crunchy. what you can do with renderware. Use <laughs> renderware. <laughs> Everyone, please. I mean, um, it, was, whereas, it was a cool engine. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> like, the club doesn't have any of PGR's, uh, you know, the sense of momentum and control and flourish and uh, again player expression. Like, the club is just slow and stodgy and awkward. You're moving through molasses all the time and. Uh, you have to aim down sights to pull your weapon up because it's a third-person shooter of the era, and uh, it just takes forever. Just every little thing in it feels very heavy and syrupy, more so even than like Killzone 2. Like it's very sluggish um, in a way that feels intentional, <laughs> and I can't figure out why yet. Like that—that's a decision that somebody made, and. I've not been able to figure out why it was built this way. Like, it wasn't on accident, right? Like, these things don't happen due to negligence or whatever. Um, I just don't... It's not working for me. I don't know why. I don't know what they were necessarily going for um, on that front. I think it didn't have much style to it either, unfortunately. And if it came out today, it would probably look like something like Super Hot, maybe. Yeah, which... yeah. It's a very different yeah. game, but its visual style could actually work in the game like the club. Like this completely abstract uh, visual style would, uh, yeah, make it more interesting, perhaps. But <laughs> or or Mirror's Edge, <laughs> <laughs> or Mirror's Edge, indeed. Yeah. Again, gray boxing your level can work if you light it right. 
You don't need textures. The club's coming back. They're, they're going to do a club VR. I'm calling it now. You could do that. You could yeah. make a cool club. <laughs> See, that's that's the actual reason I want to talk about the club, I think, is because if you think about it for more than like four seconds, it's... Just like it, there are so many exciting things that aren't actually here, but you could see them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that's the club. I I want to go listen to the soundtrack now because I need to, I need to know what Richard and yes. It doesn't were up seem to. like a like Richard Jake. He didn't do a lot of like hard. Like I feel like this is gonna be like some kind of gritty like hard rock and pound. Yeah. Yeah. Music, do music that. is more Sega E than you might expect. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the the Sega. It seems like Sega, Bizarre, and Richard Jakes all have the they like couldn't get away from each other. Like across like twenty years, they just like even if the, even if the partnership didn't make any sense, they were there for each other. Did the Sonic Transformed soundtrack as well? I think. Oh yeah, it's true. The All Stars Racing and Transformed. Don't think it did Team no, Sonic Racing game. though. I don't think. But yeah, that is a video game. He did some work for Big Big as well. He did work on little, little. I think I don't know if don't think Motorstorm, but he did some stuff for Little Deviants, which is oh yeah, yeah. a video game. Oh, which yeah. is a video game. I, I <laughs> totally day, forgot. Yeah, I met, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he 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 came in studio once and he did some music for it. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Awesome. All right, do we have time for one more? This I, I got time if you guys. I've do. got Go it. For it. You guys got Go it. For All right, it. cool. Yeah, you got something? We're coming on an hour and a half, so I just want to make sure. Before we talk about running high, for right. <laughs> this game. Oh man, I don't think we're going to be talking about running high that long. It's I was just... trying to see if I had a copy of uh, Deck Athlete on the Sega Ages 2500 collection of PS2. Oh, I was like, boy. I don't know if that counts. This game. I mean, sure, why not? I was thinking of all those like you know Olympic running games. Have at it, but no, running high is something quite different. Um, so running high is a PlayStation game developed by System Sacom, which is a developer I know nothing about. <laughs> um, published by a company apparently called Rex en Entertainment, and this was the only game that they ever put out. They must have loved it. <laughs> they, they, they absolutely must have loved it. It's the, uh, it's the Rally Day Africa of running games. <laughs> this company came and went like a flash of the rules. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately it doesn't work. Actually, uh, I, I forgot, I have that on my notes. System Satcom did work on the uh, Saturn port of Radmobile, which is Gale Racer. And that isn't very good either. So, yeah, we're we're, we're not we're not working from a great spot here. It's, I want to say it's a bad game. So the idea here is, it is the most, like if you were to think of a running game where you race... You think of like your typical 90s arcade racing game, very like linear tracks. Think of Ridge Racer, sure, whatever. It's that, but you run. That's literally what the game is. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing to it. There's even like, there's oh, even the drift game. There's even the drift mechanic. <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen this. There's a drift mechanic where, and it works the exact same way it works in Ridge Racer, where you just, <laughs> your, your thumb it off the accelerator, <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that, and then you start drifting. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny game. It does not control, I won't say it controls badly, but it's so rigid that it's also not fun. Um, the soundtrack's actually pretty decent. The soundtrack kind of kind of slaps, actually. 
um, it's got sort of like an arrow gauge thing going on. <laughs> I'm just watching the intro and <laughs> my god, absolutely horrendous. Yeah, the, the, there's a character in it called Doris. <laughs> Like, yes, that's really? the, that's the American. So I was reading that. Thankfully, there's a there is this website or a, somebody had a had this blog named Ribbon Black where they write. About you were going to say like, oh, yeah. sports high fan games. Club or no, and and this this person's writing about sports games, and this is a entry from 2017. This is literally like one of the first things that shows up when you Google search "running high." It's just this person just talking about it, and I have to thank them a lot because they. Uh, they transcribe the plot synopsis from the menus, which the menu actually looks... It's a pretty cool-looking menu, honestly, yeah, yeah. Uh, front end. But here's a synopsis. In the year 2000, humans developed Ultimate, a system that allowed the human brain to directly interface with machines. This led to the creation of robotic power suits known as Component Muscle. However, use of component muscle was deemed too dangerous to be used by just anyone due to the potential for criminal activity. Thus, component muscle was restricted to military use and in the ultimate future sport, running high. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, very first comment here I see on YouTube. It just says they should have called it Man Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> Messed up <laughs> Also, uh, shout out to Ribbon Black, aka my longtime internet friend Ashley. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. awesome! Glad, glad that it all came around. Yeah, uh, thank you been for doing all about kinds it. of incredible documentation for <laughs> a lot of like old Namco stuff specifically. I think they're over at Way Forward these days. Anyway, sick. Yeah. Now this this game is something. There is there's a shockingly like low amount like you would think like it's a weird game it must have weird gameplay mechanics no no the the only one that's a little novel is that like when you are basically drafting another runner you can press a button where you just like speed up and then you vault over them you basically leapfrog them to get ahead uh you can also punch other runners road rash style but it does nothing like it does literally nothing like they don't they they fall behind you for a little bit but then they're like right back in front of you in, in not that much time yeah um yeah i'm watching yeah. gameplay it doesn't seem that great i just seen a, a, a sign that said running high 2014 which is really confusing given that apparently all <laughs> kicked off in 2020 so. Well, yeah, it says it, it started in the year two thousand, but then in the in the oh, game there are all these sorry. textures yeah. that say twenty fourteen. Yeah. So I don't know. At some point <laughs> within uh, ten years ago and twenty four years ago, we were supposed to be able to do this, but it never happened. It, it, it does have the country. one thing like from that era that I love, which is like massive advertising boards. Like obviously, Gran Turismo had loads of them and that sort of thing. Like on the tracks, I just love that sort of style element that was obviously just to cover the big empty areas behind the track so it's got that going for it at the very least also thank you to ribbon black for getting the screenshot of the baby because uh, apparently there is a playable baby and when <laughs> you race as the baby all of the other racers or runners are also babies uh, perfect at least it's fair yeah sport and fairness Oh the running God. high universe. And I have just imported a copy. Beautiful. Because I meant to whenever I first saw this game a long time ago and thought I had it and I do not. <clears throat> I look yeah. forward to the running high tribute song on Digital Motorsport 2 when you oh, eventually. No, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I listened to that album again the other day. I still think it's kind of not very good. Anyway. Oh, it's great. It's great. <sighs> we love it. Um, yeah, that's basically all I have to say on Running High. It's fucking weird. And also, like, it's cool. very, very interesting. When I see games like this, it reminds me that, like, there was actually, like, a cottage industry of Ridge Racer clones. Like, that was a thing. It wasn't just, like, arcade yeah. racers. It was, like... Yeah games that feel and act and do everything the exact same way ridge racer does but they were yeah. like even his map screen was like ridge racer right, right? i'm just looking at a video yeah. now yeah it's like let's do that but you don't drive a car that's right <laughs> you're right <laughs> the drift mechanic is incredible though i'm really glad that they, they established that humans can drift in some way so it doesn't really help it <laughs> Doesn't help. What, really it's so cool. what a shock! <laughs> Wait, because because you don't really lose much speed when you hit the, it. So it's the it's the opposite of Ridge Racer in the sense that like you don't lose any speed really when you hit a wall, which means that there's also really no incentive for you to like navigate the turns in any sort of a way that involves care. So you can drift or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but <laughs> hey, it looks neat. There's one thing that I've learned through looking up these games we've talked today, and it's the old adage that it doesn't matter what game you're looking at on the internet, there will be somebody who gasses it up. Like, when we're talking about Mad Dash, there was somebody saying, ah, oh, they missed a massive opportunity to make this their Mario Kart. And then on Running High as well, it's like, oh, I've played this all the time. It's just, I feel like you can look up any game and there will be somebody somewhere who absolutely loves it. So, I mean, that, that's just beautiful, you know? funny you say that because that uh gameplay video of the cr- of the crew jesus of the club i was just watching uh top comment was like everyone else says this game sucks but it doesn't fun game yeah i'm not here to say the club sucks i am here to say the club has potential <laughs> sega let me make a club too running high soundtrack also released by avex tracks Oh, I'm definitely going to give it a listen then. Yeah, it's that's, that's a good sign. That's quality. Yeah, rubber stamped. <laughs> There's actually something I was going to say, Andrew, when you brought up Rollerdrome. It's actually this month's PlayStation Plus game. That's so, right. Yes, go play Rollerdrome. Yeah, that's so rules. People can add it in their library. I think it's that and Foam Stars. So, yeah, get added to the library. <laughs> how, how classically time extend is it that there is a new game that we could talk about that's actually better than all of most of these games, but we didn't. <laughs> Just didn't do that. It might be better than all yeah. of these games. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just the way we do things. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> we focus on the wrong stuff, but somehow we have fun doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, there's plenty of people focusing on the right stuff. Yeah. The roller drum fandom probably video essays for days, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Yeah, someone's, that. someone's doing a lore dump for you know, four hours in a <laughs> webcam somewhere. They're actually wipeout pilots. They just they they never made that. They never got to that point in the story yet. But yeah. So. <laughs> um, this has been time extend uh, running games. <laughs> Uh, thank you all so much. I guess before, you know, you guys are going to be on the show uh, a lot more often, which we're definitely looking forward to. But um, I don't know if you want to, while, while, while you have the floor, is there anything you'd like to say? Is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there anything you'd like to say, like, hey, I'm doing this? 
No? All right, great, wonderful. I'm under NDA. Yeah. I'm under NDA. I can't about <laughs> We don't know who Paul works for. We don't know what Paul does. Uh, nobody knows anything. <laughs> Who he um, is? He just kind of showed up on this call. He showed up. Talking. He was like, he was it's like, like love stuff. I don't know. He's like, I love games composed by Richard Jakes. And yeah, so, that's right. And so, so among friends, M- the uh, MSR soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. I sent a single email. Subject: Mirror's Edge. Body <laughs> of email: Mirror's Edge. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll get all that's, that's all it takes to be on time extended. Any of you can do point. it. Yeah. Hey, I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> Alright. Well I don't have anything to share. Um go go join the uh time extend Discord as always. Uh go find us on the stupid bad app, but it's unfortunately where we kind of attached the, the horse that we attached our car to that is slowly stumbling over and dying just stop just stop <laughs> you don't have stop. to be there anymore there's nothing there just leave just hit the bricks adam <laughs> my only friend on co-host is you andrew no we'll come over to blue sky dummy all right that's we'll, where everyone we'll, went we'll make a blue sky to plug next we're, time so yeah next time we're recording we'll have a blue sky we'll do we'll do the time extent blue sky we have a tiktok yeah we are on tiktok go. we have a I'm tiktok <laughs> in a while but we'll, we'll take those talks soon enough <laughs> we'll be talking about the club, running high, all that stuff that the the Gen Zers want. So, yes, <laughs> God, do they want it? Uh, <laughs> I guess before we head out, I am just freelancing now at this point. So, if you are looking for a UI UX designer or composer or just a visual designer in general, uh, hit up your boy here over at Elmore.design. Andrew can do yeah. literally everything. He can do. Oh, he can. Oh he's, he can do it all. I, 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 that's actually not going to help you're, you. You're writing a yeah. lot of checks. I don't know if I can cash. Yeah, anybody. yeah, that's not going to help <laughs> you. I was just trying to say that you, you, you are your talents amaze me. Uh, you are an endless small. well of creativity. I appreciate it. I'm just yeah. trying to pay rent. It's <laughs> sort of. It's sort of my whole thing. <laughs> that's what I'm about. That's that's my. <laughs> Uh, go do that. Go 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 check it out. And uh, thank you all for listening, as always. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Bye bye.